Well, good evening. I am very excited to be here and encouraged. And boy, I almost feel like I can just say amen and we go to Tim Hortons. <laughs> oh, we're not in Canada, I guess. But you have a Tim Hortons. Really enjoyed uh, our, our fellowship at the Karens tonight. And if you don't know this family, you need to get to know them. And uh, really enjoyed our, our time together uh, there tonight. And thank you. Excellent presentation. Well, just wanted to give a little intro. Um, I'm from Woodstock, New Brunswick. Grew up in the area. Grew up on a farm. All I ever wanted to do was farm. That's all I ever wanted to do. Grew up going to church. I wasn't interested in church. I didn't want to go to school. And my parents made me do both. I got a little bit older and, and I told my parents, you can do whatever you want, I'm not going to church anymore. And they said that was fine, I was 14, and so I, I stopped going to church and then I got involved in very uh, sinful habits. Alcoholism runs in my family, and uh, my grandfather drank minimum pint a day and pretty soon I was drinking and living that whole lifestyle. Went to college, become a veterinarian, and that was a very sinful atmosphere as well. And then I was doing practicum on a farm, and the farmer offered me a job to manage his dairy farm. He was a dairy and potato farmer. So I took that opportunity and, and started working for him. And uh, worked a lot of hours, but when I wasn't working, I was drinking. But I just had a major anniversary. October 31st, 1992. I came home about 4 o'clock in the morning, sat down on my bed, and I thought, what a great night. And the Lord convicted me. I did not realize the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I gave my life to the Lord. Amen. Folks, it is so encouraging to see children, young people here. What you're doing is not in vain. That night verses came to my mind that I'd learned in Sunday school or a one or a youth group. And long story short, I went to Bible school. Went on a missions trip. I couldn't stand missions. I used to call them moochinaries. <laughs> and I went to Venezuela. My boss told me I'd been working there 10 years. And um, uh, I had to go on a vacation. So I went on a missions trip to Venezuela. They were looking for a welder. So I went down to weld up roof trusses. And God got a hold of my heart. And uh, then I came back home and, and worked another year. Went to Bible school, met a young lady from Pennsylvania, and uh, she fell in love with me, and so I married her. And uh, she's not here, but she would say just the opposite is true. She's from Pennsylvania, grew up in a very godly home, grew up in a home with a passion for missionaries. My wife says we went to church, and then church came home with us. And her family lived. Her dad was a Bible teacher. And their church had elders, and, and he, every Sunday he taught the Word of God. And um, when she was 15, she went to Papua New Guinea. And there she felt that the Lord was calling her into missions. And so we went to Bolivia. I have my New Tribes Mission shirt on. Uh, long story short, we were with what was called New Tribes Mission, now called Ethnos 360, 19 and a half years. And uh, we went to Bolivia. Remember Y2K? We went to Bolivia when the planes were supposed to fall out of the sky. 
and uh, somehow we survived that and um, went to, we were in Bolivia 10 and a half years and then the Lord redirected our path and served as mobilizers based in the Woodstock area started hanging around NBDI and the Lord redirected us and, and the Lord led the Karens up here and we went into it's kind of funny because uh, I teach the classes that Pastor Jack used to teach we live in the house that Pastor Jack used to live in I just wish I had the car that Pastor John. No. <laughs> I have the garden spot. I, I, I have the garden spot. I've revived his garden spot. Uh, he's a legend gardener at the NBBI, and so I, I, I don't know what else you had, but I'm, I need to know. But uh, the Lord's working at NBBI. What's that, sorry? We had mice, and we now have Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? As, as Pastor Karen said, God's good. I never thought, I grew up five kilometers from NBBI, never thought I'd been on staff. I went to teen retreats, never thought I'd be on staff. God's working. And, and you know what's interesting? The first year that I was there, there were 72 students. And this year we have 25. The math doesn't work, but God does. And, and the Karens understand some things on the financial end, and God meets all the bills. And as Pastor Karen says, we have college for a day, and we have 35 um, young people right there now, and a lot of them are saying they're going to come. But you know what? I believe God took us down for a reason, and we really examined, and we've changed some things. We, I didn't tell you guys, but uh, we don't have campus church anymore. They go to local churches. And they're involved in local churches. And local churches are so excited that we're sending young people. And every church that I know of needs help. And so it, it's such a blessing. God's doing some amazing things. Uh, and, and I'm not speaking negative because it's good to examine what we're doing and reevaluate. And I'm, I, I believe God is working. We've been able to do projects. One of the things is we put in a wood bowl, a boiler. And we used to pay thousands and thousands in heating costs. And now we have a, uh, an outdoor boiler. And yes, we have to saw wood, but I need chainsaw therapy. And, uh, you know, our, our heating bill is a fraction of what it used to be. And uh, many other things. And, and God is working. Uh, i got to ask you a question, though. What is it with Maine? Because my wife and I have three boys... And our oldest son married a gal from Bradford, and he's now associate youth pastor down in West Rockport. And our second son, uh, he actually just got voted in as associate pastor down, down in Goshen, Nova Scotia, and he's going there in two weeks. And our youngest son married a gal from Waterville, Maine, and uh, I was talking to him this afternoon, and they're wanting him to stay on staff. And, and so two of our boys are, are pastoring in, in Maine, and married gals from Maine. And so if you know a young lady from Maine, let me know. Okay? But uh, you know what? We're very encouraged. And, and Maine needs the gospel. Amen. Maine is considered unreached. And uh, very encouraged what the Lord uh, is, is doing. Well, I want to share with you from God's word. And I'm convinced of, of God's leading. And some of the things that you guys said. Uh, and based on... When Bob came in, I was like, boy, that's interesting. So, so Bob, you don't know how you fit into this story yet. But uh, I, I'm excited. I, I titled this message tonight, How to Be Involved. 
Each and every one of you can be involved in missions. You might say, well, I don't have money. Maybe I don't have youth. Maybe I don't have energy. Maybe I don't have time. Maybe I don't have this. Maybe I don't have that. But you can be involved in missions in a powerful way, in a way that is needed, each and every one of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, as we were reminded tonight and and, and the excellent presentation that we heard, you are still working. You exceeded the goals that the leadership set as they wanted to start new works. Nothing is impossible with God. And, And Father, forgive us for the times that we put you in a box. And may we not give up May we step out in faith. May we let our light shine. And may we realize that you desire to use each and every one of us in the greatest task that we can be involved in. And reaching the loss to the glory of God. And guide us here this evening for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to base tonight uh, out of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew uh, chapter 9 here. And, and uh, some things here I, I, I really want to draw uh, to your attention. And uh, I'm actually going to start down a little further than that, uh, Pastor Karen. I'm going to jump down all the way down to verse 35. And uh, I'm going to start here at, at verse 35. Previous to this, we, we have uh, some of the workings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all of the cities and the villages that, that he went around. And, and I want you to pay attention to see what he did. Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. Yes, he was the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I appreciated what, what they said because even though Greg has experience flying, he has to learn how to fly these helicopters. He has to learn to fly to land into these places. And he's going to land in some very interesting places. Training is very important. Now, I, I'm, I'm not meaning for this to be an advertisement or to be a, a promotion, but I'm a firm believer that each and every person should be trained in the Word of God and that they should be in a formal Bible study, a formal Bible school. There are a lot of good Bible schools. Recently, one of the guys from Word of Life was at NBBI, and him and I were talking, and he said, Mike, Every Bible school in Canada, but one, is struggling. Two of them are probably going to close this year. When we look at what's going on in the world, wouldn't you agree that people need to be trained in the Word of God? And in a time when we shouldn't be withdrawing from Bible schools, we should be flocking to Bible schools. I just had a conversation last night with, with a young person, and he told me this. He said, I want to come to Bible school, but I've been advised not to by Christians. They said, get out there and get a job while there's jobs. 
Wow. Wow. If you're going to be involved in the Lord's work, you need to be trained. So he was teaching, and, and think what it would have been like to go into the synagogues. That would not have been easy. That would have been challenging. So he went into the synagogues. And, and, and you know what we need to do? Is we need to follow his example and go where the people are. And, and go where the people are. I, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, I'm going home tonight because tomorrow I have an invitation to speak at a cenotaph service. Prior to the cenotaph service, the leaders of the Legion are coming together. And I got a phone call and they said, would you like to share the gospel with these men? Huh? <laughs> they want a message from the Bible? We have to seize these opportunities. We have to be out there. Uh, just, just last Friday night, I was in Tracy, New Brunswick in a youth group. God is working today. The, the new pastor that's there, he came there four years ago and there was five young people in the church. Now they're averaging 27 young people. And, and I was so encouraged just last Friday night. And they said they've had Friday nights where, where they've had 40. And you know what? We couldn't get out of there. I didn't get home till late. It was an hour and 40 minutes away. But we could not get out of there. They wanted to talk. Do you know what one of the moms said to me? She said, I love youth group. I said, why do you love youth group? She said, because my kids want to come and I now use it as punishment. I say, if you don't behave, you can't go to youth group. She said, my kids are some good. They want to come to youth group. And I was there. And to be with those young people. Folks, we've got to invest in young people. And when I was there, I heard that one of the guys in the church had an idea. Guys, I'm on your side. He got this idea. I'm going to start a midweek prayer meeting in my garage. It's amazing how many men are coming to his garage. He's getting lost men. He offers coffee and donuts. Now he says, honey, I got to build onto my garage. Because we don't have enough room. But you know, guys are coming to his garage because they're not threatened. And the church has picked up people. And a couple have gotten saved. God is working. Pastor Gordon Mowry is in Stanley. A couple of years ago he came to NBBI. And oh, I should tell you this. My office used to be Pastor Karen's office too. And I was, I was in my office, and he says, Mike, I'm looking at retirement, and my church is dying. We're hovering around 30 people. We can't continue. Folks, I, I was there about, I think it was four weeks ago, and he said, we have five families away, and there were 72. And he has a baptism uh, it's either this Sunday or next Sunday, and he's baptizing nine people that have gotten saved in the last two months. God is working. We, we need to go where people are. We, we need to go to Papua New Guinea. We need to go to Bolivia. 
Sometimes we need to go across the street. We need to go across the street. And notice what it says, that he was in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then notice what else it says he was doing, and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. Since the history of mankind, since the fall, we have been dealing with health issues, part of the curse. And the Lord Jesus Christ was meeting their needs. Don't forget that often that's something that the Lord uses and was when we meet people's needs, when we help them. I enjoy material from the late Howard Hendricks. And Howard Hendricks tells a story that one time a lady comes up to him and she says, Brother Hendricks, which is more important, works or words? And he said to her, ma'am, do you fly? She said, yes. He said, which wing is more important, the left or the right? Myself, I like them both. Both are important. Both are important. And he's meeting the needs of the people. Sickness and every disease. A few years ago, I was down to Danforth, Maine. Not too, too far from here. But you know what? I found out there that a bunch of ladies come to the church a couple afternoons a week. And you know what they do? They make clothes for missions. A few years ago, I went to Bolivia. Pre-COVID, I went back to Bolivia every year with a team. And, and pre-COVID, I took 11 suitcases of clothes that those ladies made. March 2020, we were the last flight from Germany that landed in Boston. We went to Ethiopia. We took 14 suitcases of clothing that these ladies in Danforth, Maine had made. These ladies come together and, and they just sew clothing. And as they sew, yes, they talk, but they often pray. And the stories that they can tell of God's provision, Martin's donated a bunch. You should have bought it when you saw it, or maybe you should have prayed and asked the Lord to provide. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ladies in Danforth, God is using them to sew and do things. You're going to have her hear a presentation from Blueberry Mountain Camp. Pastor Karen also was involved in Tay Valley Bible Camp. At Tay Valley Bible Camp, we have what we call the Great Power Team. There's a, a group of retired men that they congregate at Tim Hortons once or twice a week in the spring and the fall of the year, and they get a coffee and they go to Tay Valley and they work the day there on project. One of these guys was an electrician. Another guy was a mechanic. Another guy was a carpenter. What they have done, guys, in the last couple years, just a couple days a week, is amazing. Skilled guys. Yes, they get a coffee, and yes, they have to be back to Tim Hortons by three. But it's amazing what they do. Blueberry Mountain. 
Bible camp, I'm sure there's things that can be done there. What can you do to advance the gospel? What can you do? And then we go into, oh, there's one more thing. One more thing I almost forgot to mention. Nursing homes. A couple years ago, a pastor and I started going to the Heartland Manor on Saturday mornings. Folks, it is pretty sad when you go there on Saturday morning and they said, nobody's been here since you were here last week. Now it's hard to tell with some of them, some of them depending on their health, what they can retain. But some of them are sharper than me. That doesn't say too much. But folks, nursing homes are overlooked today. And they need not be. Verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitude, when he saw the multitude, let me ask you this question. What do you see? What do you see when you're out and about? What do you see when you're going to and fro? What do you see when you're driving through town and you see a group of people what do you see and how does it impact you? Do you see the needs? Was your heart not stirred tonight when you heard their presentation? Mine was. Mine was. What do you see? It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved by compassion. Now we have to guard against emotions. We can't be carried away by emotions. But you know, a lot of us could use some of that. When he saw the multitude, he had compassion. Why did he have compassion? It said he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint. They were weary. What do we see when we see the people? And it said they were scattered abroad. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is pulpit supply. Folks, there are eight churches that I'm helping that do not have a pastor. That do not have a pastor. They don't even know where to go to get a pastor. And to be honest, I can't recommend one because I don't know any men that are looking for a church. The United Baptist Convention in Canada, the Atlantic Canada, last year, they ordained one pastor. They've even come and talked to us and said, how can we work together? You know, it's amazing because before there was a wall there. We've got to work together. Put our minor differences aside. I'm not talking going ecumenical. But there are so many. That's, guys, I can only be in one church a Sunday. Eight churches looking for pastors. Good folks that just love to have someone to shepherd them. We need to be aware of this. We need to be concerned about this. Jeff Tinney, who 
heads up inner church ministry told me that in Maine, church attendance is down by 40% since COVID. We need to be aware of what is going on. The needs, churches, camps, the mission field. Ethnos 360 has letters from 108 people groups in Papua New Guinea that are asking somebody to come and teach them the Word of God. They're asking, and, and there's nobody to send. Churches, camps, the mission field, the needs are great. What do we do? Verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. Now I don't know about up here in Madawaska, but everywhere else I go, I see help wanted. Help wanted. They're hiring. Can't find people to work anymore. I don't know how many farmers in the area of NBBI in the radius there suffered this year because they could not get enough workers. And then as soon as one farmer finished, he recommended his friends, can I give you your number, your name to my friend because he desperately needs Tay Valley Bible Camp. We poured some concrete last spring. And I called the cement company and he said, it'll be a few days. I said, wow, are you that busy? He said, oh, yes. Now I drive by their place and they have numerous trucks. And he said, oh, yes, we're busy. But he said, we're only using a portion of our trucks because we don't have drivers. There's no workers. And, and you know what? That's concerning. How much more missions, how much more churches, how much more camps. And I believe that the fields are white unto the harvest. That it truly is plenteous. There's probably very few mission organizations that don't have a needs list. And not every missionary has to be a Bible translator, has to be a Bible teacher, or a pilot. The needs are great in missions. But the labors are few. Well, what is the answer? And this is where you come in. It's one word. It does not matter how old, how young. Your economic status, your abilities, your gifting. And you know what that word is? Pray. Pray. About two years ago, I received a phone call on a Saturday night. And the phone call said, the guy on the other end said, is this Mike Grant? And I said, yes. He said, is this the Mike Grant that speaks in churches? And I said, yes. It was Saturday night, and I don't know the time, but it was after 8 o'clock. And he said, could you speak in our church tomorrow? Saturday night? After 8 o'clock? I said to him, you wouldn't believe this, but I have been booked solid for three months, and I'm free tomorrow. He said, can you come? He said, we just fired our pastor. 
Their pastor did something inappropriate. Very inappropriate. I said, I don't want to know details. I'll come. And I went and picked him up. He lived about 20 minutes away from the church. And I picked him up and he got in. And as soon as he got in, I said, remember, I don't want any details. I'm just going to go and share what the Lord laid on my heart. I said, but I would like to pray. And he said very hesitantly, okay. And I'm driving down the road and he was squirming in his seat. I have a Chevy Impala. It doesn't have heated seats. He was squirming in his seat. He was fidgeting. And I prayed. And when I finished, the first thing he said is, You're a man of God. And I said, Well, thank you. I'd, I'd like to think that's true. And he said, You're a man of faith. And I said, Well, thank you. I'd like to think that's true. But why are you saying these two statements? He said, I've never met anybody that drives and prays at the same time with their eyes closed. I said, did you think I was driving with my eyes closed? And he said, can you pray with your eyes open? Folks, he was the head deacon of the church. He said, I did not know you could do that. And then he said this. My whole life, I drove for Greyhound. My entire life, I drove Think of the missed opportunities I had in praying. Because I thought I, yes, when we have the opportunity, what? We bow our head and close our eyes in respect and utter reverence. But you can pray anytime, anywhere. And maybe you're praying right now, wrap it up. <laughs> Folks, my wife and I were in Bolivia for almost 10 years. I would love to take the time and tell you the many, many stories where we saw God work because His people prayed for us. His people prayed for us. We had ladies that wrote us and told us at different times that the Lord had laid on their heart. And it was amazing. I can't take the time and tell you these stories, but I want to just tell you one. I bought a Honda 250 motorbike our second year in Bolivia. It was my mode of transportation. And we were in Bolivia, so all five of us would go on that motorbike. And, uh, oh, it was a beautiful bike. I had it for eight years. Used it day in, day out. And one day I was driving it, and the shock went on it. And I never had a shock go on a bike before. Oh. Oh, I was devastated. Well, no problem. Went, went down to the local shop and long story short, that year when that 1982 Honda XLR was made, Honda did an experiment with just a few shocks. Long story short, I had friends, Pennsylvania, Michigan, New Brunswick, looking on eBay and Kijiji. Nobody could find a shock. My bike was just sitting affecting my ministry and we were praying and praying and four months went by and a friend of mine one day he said to me he said Mike I'd like to sell you my bike and he had a Honda 650 oh wow 
I said, I can't afford it. Give me a week to pray about it. And if the Lord provides, I'll buy it. The Lord didn't provide. And I told him, the Lord didn't provide. It's not his will. And he said, well, I could work out payments. I said, no, I can't afford payments. And I don't like the function that way. Must not be Lord's will. Week or so went past, and he called me up, and we got together occasionally, and he said, let's meet for lunch. So we're meeting for lunch, and he says to me, Mike, you want to know who bought my bike? I sold my bike. <laughs> yeah, rub salt in the wound. No, I don't need to know who bought your bike. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you, God bought it. <laughs> me being me, I said, I didn't know God was a biker. <laughs> And he said, Mike, God provided it for me, and he laid it on my heart. Here's the keys. Here's the registration. It's your bike. Oh, I was blown away, folks. I rode the bike home. I may or not have pulled the wheelie on the way home. A 650. I got home. I was so overwhelmed. I called my family into the living room. And I shed some tears. It was a beautiful bike. He's able to do exceedingly above and beyond that which we ask or think. And I told my family, and I said, I want to spend some time just praising the Lord for what he did. And my son, Jed, said, Dad, you know what? You were praying for a shock, and God gave you a bike. And my eight-year-old son, then he said, think what would have happened if you would have prayed for a bike. Why do we aim so low? Folks, I would rather aim high and fail and then succeed at doing nothing. Yes, we need to be wise and make plans. As I say, the nursing home guys is so important. A friend of mine by the name of Bill has a nursing home ministry. He told me this story. And I have his permission to share it. I met this lady. Ethel is her name. Ethel was bedridden. I visited Ethel. Bill told me, he said, oh, Mike, I put my foot in my mouth this week. Bill, what happened? Well, I was visiting Ethel. Ethel's bedridden. And because he has a, a relationship with Ethel, he said, Ethel, I want to just be honest with you. Why don't we pray that God takes you? You have no quality of life. You just lay there day in, day out. And I'm going to quote Ethel. My mom's not here. But Ethel said to Bill, Bill, shut your mouth. And Bill said, Ethel? And she said, Bill, open that drawer. He opened the drawer of the night table. There was a notebook. She said, open it up. Bill said the first page had two columns. Every line had a name. Bill turned the page. Two columns, names, names, names. Turn the page, names, names. Turn the page. Bill, get the next book out. Open it up. Two columns, names, names. Churches, missionaries, mission organizations. Turn the page. Columns, two columns, names, names. Bill, get the third book. Two columns, names, names, names. She said, Bill, every day I pray three times for every single name. And then she said this, folks. 
bedridden Ethel. She said, Bill, I am too busy to die. I am too busy to die. Folks, who's going to pray when the Lord takes Ethel? Who's going to pray for those names? I want to challenge you, your missionaries. Don't just pray for them once a month. Pray hard for them. Get to know them. A church told me years ago, they said, Mike, the better we know you, the more we will pray for you. The more intelligently we can get to know them. Get to know these folks if you don't already. I can tell you one thing. You're going to be blessed and you want to get to know them more. They're like a magnet. Those are folks you'd stand behind any day. I just met them tonight. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for your children. Those that aren't living for the Lord. Those that aren't saved. And what does he say? Pray. Pray. Ye therefore who? To the Lord of the harvest. It's His field. It's His sheep. What is He going to do when we pray? We miss so much by not praying. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send. One translation says, thrust His people when we pray, the countless missionary stories that can be told. In fact, my favorite one is folks that when they got to a people group and learned their language, they found out years ago that this people group built a raft. They were desperate. They were animistic. And they were struggling. They lost faith in their animistic ways. And they sent this raft downstream hoping it would attract people. The very day they sent that raft was the day their church had their commissioning service for them. The very day. And as the church prayed that God would guide them and direct them, we have got to pray that he would send them into the harvest field. I don't know if you know who Andrew Fuller is. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord... (laughs) It's amazing how the Lord works. My pastor asked me to start reading. By the way, do you read? You should be reading good Christian books. You should be reading missionary autobiographies. And if you don't read, get an e-book. Listen to it online, audio, or something of that nature. The first book that I read was Hudson Taylor. The second one, I'm pretty sure, Pastor Karen knows well, Peace Child. Ooh, by Don Richardson. I thought, what in the world? And the third one that I read was William Carey. William Carey. Andrew Fuller, a good friend of William Carey. Both of them had a conviction that God wanted to use everybody in missions. And and William Carey had the burden. He had the calling, however you want to word it, to go. But Andrew Fuller had the conviction that he was to stay home. And, And one day when they were talking... Or maybe it was in a letter, I forget who it was, but, but William Carey communicated to Andrew Fuller, and he said this, quote, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. If you will hold the ropes. 
And he did. Andrew Fuller held the ropes well. He served as president of the Baptist Society uh, until his death. And he traveled all over the British Isles, raising funds for the missionaries that went, raising prayer support for those that went. And, And the story says that missionaries in India could rest because they knew that Andrew Fuller and his team were praying for them. And I believe this, that whether you go or stay, whether you go down into the pit or whether you're holding the rope, that both should have calluses on your hands. Those that go into missions need to work hard. A workman is worthy of his wage. Those of us that stand here holding the rope, we should have calluses too because we're giving it our all. For them. Here's an interesting quote Every missionary needs at least one rope holding pastor who is leading a rope holding church to support the global spread of the gospel. You know what? I really enjoy working with Matthew Little, he's the president of NBBI. I enjoy working him with se- for several reasons. But folks, when we were in Bolivia, he was my pastor. He was my pastor. And he was a pastor that stood behind us. He never met us when he came to the church. And the first thing he said is, we're going down to see Mike and Tilly. Because I want to pray intelligently. Oh, and i got to tell you this. I didn't mean to tell this, but he also said this. Mike, Mike's mom is going. Mike's mom's going to Bolivia. Because you see, my mom worried. My mom worried about her grandkids. My mom worried. And folks, my pastor brought my mom down. And guess what? My mom didn't want to go home. My mom left crying. And she said, Now I know why you don't want to come home. Now I know. And and you know what? My mom came home and three weeks later I found out a church picked us up for support. Because my mom went to that church and spoke. My mom? She didn't go to NBBI. She didn't take effective communication. I didn't ask her to do this. But because my mom saw the needs and it broke her heart. Remember, Jesus saw the multitude. What do you see? What are you doing? We need to pray. And we need to pray hard. Let's pray. Father, burden our hearts for missions. And I am convinced that when we spend time in prayer, that you will increase our burden for missions. You will challenge our hearts. And Father, I believe we'll see you answer prayer. Sometimes it's different than we want. Father, thank you that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I thank you, Lord, for this family here, Greg and Dominic. As Greg said, after all that they've done here and could be established and live the American dream, They're going to go. 
Lord, may they be sent well. Lord, may that support come in and they go above 80% in January. We pray, Lord, for their financial support. We pray for prayer warriors and people that will dialogue and get fresh, if you will, prayer requests and fervently pray for them and the other missionaries of this church. May a day not pass without them being lifted up before the throne. May we pray for one another. May we pray, Lord, for more workers. Oh, Lord, it it would be awesome to have a problem with too many missionaries, to have too many pastors and not enough churches. Stir up, Lord, these young people that are here. I'm excited to see what you're going to do with each and every one of them. And Father, we pray all this to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name I pray. Amen.